everyone, Laura and Branga here and you're listening to A Table at the Back. Today we're talking all about how to give and receive good feedback and I'm really excited because we have Sue Riok here talking with us about it. She started her career in UX almost a decade ago working at Booking.com in Amsterdam. When she moved back to Australia she realised the market was ripe for UX writers and she would be correct. Susan Riok Copywriter was then born. Susan helps brands big and small connect with their customers by writing the way people talk. She's also a mother to two twin girls, which is crazy that she had the time to speak with us. So we're very, very grateful. All right, let's dive in. That was a good intro. I um, I just thought maybe this week we just talk about like what the topic of the episode just before we sort of dive into what we're doing, because... I think we've got a really good one this week. Uh, We're going to cover like how to give and receive good feedback. And the reason it's interesting, especially when it comes to like UX and CX is because, well, one, we've been on both ends, but two, feedback is so crucial to the entire process. Feedback from your team, feedback from customers, feedback, you know, from user testing, all of that sort of stuff. So Hopefully this is going to be a really interesting episode, but um, especially because Laura and I have recently <laughs> become a little bit obsessed with Enneagrams. <laughs> Only our own type. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I, I've, um, I made the guys, I don't know if I mentioned before, but I made the guys at work do it. So now we know what, <laughs> what each of us is and it's actually been pretty game changing just in terms of like knowing what, each person needs, especially in terms of feedback or how they're going to receive it in the way that it's communicated. So yeah, that's been, that's been really good. And also like as writers, do we tend to be more susceptible or is that like a personality thing? I don't know. Mm, Maybe that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a tricky one. I, I, I feel that as writers, we can be we also have the creative writer in us, I guess, or the yes. artist in us. The and artist. I think it's that, it's that artist that we, you know, like he's not always there, but sometimes, you know, it pops up and yeah, you can have your heart broken a bit when you've really thought you've nailed it. And um, someone has a different opinion, I guess. Yeah. And maybe over time, cause we write for work, like people are literally paying us money to write stuff for them. Maybe yes. it's like numbed us a little bit to that feeling. Yeah. 100%. Oh, definitely. You yeah. d- I think you, I think you grow, you end up growing the skin a little bit. You have to, you have to over time. Otherwise you'd just be doing it for the love of it. You'd be, you'd be rocking in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that too. But um, on that note, um, what have you guys been up to this week? Um, so it's actually been past two weeks have been crazy for me. So I've been onboarding two new clients and I've been working on, um, you know, the work for my retainer client that's been ticking over. And so this week I did something drastic and kept it totally free from client work. Um, <gasps> wow. I, I know gas. That's so nice. Crazy. Um, to work on a, I really wanted to launch this offering for, um, a couple of months. And I just thought if I don't clear my schedule, I'm never going to prioritize it. So, um, I did that and we've also had, I've got, yes, my two twin girls. So we've had gastro go through our house twice, 40 degree temperatures, one trip to the emergency room. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh, that is so full on. Is everyone okay? They're all 
Um, we're just at the end of one of the high temperature, one of the high mm. fevers, but it has meant almost three weeks off daycare. And I'm the, I'm the primary carer. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So being two tough. full on work weeks plus a week to work on your own stuff. <laughs> it's Friday tomorrow. Did you get the, the offering done? Uh, yes, I did oh, at 4.30 um, this afternoon. Amazing. Oh, nice. <laughs> Wines tonight, tomorrow? Yes, definitely wine tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you deserve it. Thank you. Totally. And Laura, what have you been up to? Um, I've been working. <laughs> I actually, in saying that, I have taken it a little bit easier this week, um, just working with my one like kind of bigger retainer client and not doing anything else um just because I'm tired like I've we've had sickness as well just go through our house the last three weeks just every week it's something different (laughs) as you can probably tell in my voice I sound a bit um deep oh I thought Um, you were gonna say sexy (laughs) oh thanks (laughs) we can take this offline (laughs) um yeah we're trying to get outside as much as we can because like we thought it was warming up um but jokes it's snowing here today oh what on the mountain not here oh okay yeah (laughs) so that's basically it what about you um i oh yeah (laughs) the usual i um no we ended up i don't know because we've kind of switched a couple of episodes around so i don't know where where i've been keeping people in the loop but we ended up having um a delay by one of our service partners for gig super but i am very excited that we finally like have timelines and like goals that are going to get hit and stuff so we are very very close to launching still can't say exactly when but so much closer than ever before so so i'm really excited about that like just it's been it's been a long year it's been a long hard year that's very exciting <laughs> it is it is it is yeah and i and we all kind of went through a bit of a you know it's startup life that, that's absolutely what it is it is a roller coaster hmm. so i am very excited about that but um i think uh our episode about the um, a difference between customer service and customer experience went up this week. And, um, and I swear I talked about my Bailey Nelson experience <laughs> <laughs> and I just have to, I have to mention it again only because I really think you should give credit where credit is due, especially when it comes to experience. And I did, you know, I did, I was really upset about how that all went down, yeah. but then I kind of, I went back and funnily enough, had another bad experience because I went back and asked, (laughs) I asked for my old prescription to be put in my glasses and they were like, no worries. They were so lovely. They're really lovely. They hire really well. And they were like, no worries. We'll do that. But we'll just run another eye test, like just to make sure. So I did that and they were like, okay, no worries. Let's just put you back to your old prescription. Um, and they, they did it really fast. Like it was like a couple of days. I went back and I took it and I put the glasses on and something was just not like it was better than the really bad one where I couldn't see, but that like something just wasn't right. And they were like, do you want to take it and, you know, give it a go? And I was like, okay, look, maybe I'm really, maybe I should just give this thing a go. So I did for a couple of days and it was just, I can't really explain it. It's like, I put them on 
and my head starts hurting. And then after a little bit, it kind of settles down. But after a week I went back and I said, guys, I'm, I'm sorry to be a pain in the ass, but I just, it's not working. Something's not right. And they, um, (laughs) they had a different optometrist because the other one was on holiday and she sat down and she was like, Oh, I think I know what's happened. So one of your eyes, like the worst one was put back to your old prescription, but, but your right one was left on the new (laughs) prescription. Oh my God. (laughs) And they're like, we'll change it for you. No, anyway, they did. I got my glasses. Like, you know, at the end of the day, they went out of their way. It was like, of course, no extra cost to me and stuff. So in the end, it was fine. But just, yeah, a bit of an ordeal. But it did, <laughs> look, it did get me thinking and like digging. And then I got onto this whole like Warby Parker experience. Do you guys know about Warby Parker? Because I didn't, I honestly didn't before. No, I don't. No. So, so they've like exploded in the States, like really exploded because they've kind of like changed the way that glasses are done. So basically you go online and you pick which frames you like, and you pick up to five frames. They send them to you in the mail. You try them on, you wear them around. Like I, I, I don't think they send them with a prescription. They just send it like with clear lenses. And then you like, you can order the ones you want online and they give you like a reply paid envelope to send back like the whole box or wow. yeah I don't think it's the ones you don't want because you need the prescription put in there and you so you order you like you place your order online and that's it and they last to start from like 95 bucks it's that's so cool awesome. like the honesty system yeah oh absolutely because I was like how but apparently they have no like very 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 minimal issues I'm not gonna say no issues but but do you yep. still have to go in for an eye test? So I think it's they not cutting back that much. No, I think they've partnered with from what I can understand, they've partnered with optometrists. So you kind of go to your nearest one or they might even have some kind of online yeah, I haven't done. See, that I'm thinking deep, like facial like... recognition or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure that's where it's at. <laughs> I am sure that's where it's headed. But yeah, I used anyway. to actually work at an optometrist back when I was travelling around in my oh. youth. So I, um, I know more than I would probably care to on the <laughs> topic of glasses. Oh, I have an eye phobia. So I'm like, that's okay. I'll just uh, take my glasses when, and someone's like, I think they said, you know, do you want to try um, contact? Contacts. And I, I, oh, I could not think of anything worse. Oh, ugh. okay. <laughs> Not even going to talk about. Ugh. The story actually checks out, like with how dramatic this story was that you have an eye like phobia. <laughs> this is not going to have improved that for you. <laughs> well, now we can get into the actual episode and our lovely guest. Do you prefer Susan or Sue? Oh, that is a tricky question because I've been trying to make Susan happen for about 16 years and that's not catching on. (laughs) I think, uh, yeah, let's go with Sue because it is what everyone ends up calling me. So let's just fast track the relationship and jump straight (laughs) to Sue because we will get there, you know, in the end. (laughs) I like it. Okay, cool. Well, our guest Sue, um, and how do you say your last name too? While oh, we're yeah. on it, <laughs> I should have. I should have. It's that's a tricky one, isn't it? It's Rioch. Okay, okay. It's Hard Scottish C. in origin. Yeah, it's like a C K, but it's yeah C H. Yeah, I like it. 
Yeah, it's it's been mispronounced my whole life and I actually wanted to change my name when I got married, but I got married overseas and the paperwork was just too hard. So <laughs> that's how I ended up with my keeping accidental my feminism. Yeah. <laughs> the best kind. The best kind. Absolutely. Well, while we're on the topic of you and your background and everything, um, you've got two twin girls, as you mentioned earlier. How does that balance kind of work with the work that you're doing now? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, it, it is a constant um, balancing act, I guess. But I actually went back to agency work after they were born because oh my, my husband took paternity leave which was amazing he um took three months off work because he wanted to um have that time being a dad to babies full time which is amazing um yeah really special time for both of us because it was great for me to be able to go back to a full-time job knowing that he was at home with them and not having to do like drop-offs at daycare and have all that stress at the same time um but agency work is just it's full on and it's the agency I was at was quite young and you know everyone was just in a very different place in their life to me and it was you know all the way in the city it just wasn't compatible um with the kind of parenting that I wanted to do because I live a little bit out in the suburbs um so I have always wanted to start my own business and I just thought why not now and um when I made the decision, I just, within the same week, I was just landed the most amazing retainer client. So it has just been such a smooth progression. It just felt like, okay, I'm on the, I'm on the right track. I think. And that's the one you're still with now? Yes. Yeah. 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 It's been amazing. So I started for myself back in February, I think. And where are we now? October, November. So yeah, it's been about eight or nine months. Um, and they've still been with me and after about, so I started with them. Um, they're a software as a service, um, company, um, and they really wanted to focus in on their UX writing and they brought me on board as a consultant. Um, and after about six months of working together, they've had, they had so many wins and it worked so well that they actually hired someone in house. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and so now that sort of meant that my role wound back a bit, but you know, I think that's great. I was so proud of them and the work that we did and, um, you know, it's good to, when you're, um, running your own business, I kind of like to have fresh projects coming on as well. So yeah. 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 Yeah, It's been good. That's really testament to, to your work with them and showing them the value of that, that they've, gone and hired somebody in-house to do that. I think that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it probably wasn't all my work as well. Um, I mean, it would be nice to think that it was, of course, (laughs) and I will take that. Thank you. Roll with it. (laughs) And then I've got like um, in my business too, I still, I'm sort of 50-50 copywriting, UX writing. So um, I also have like uh, other businesses and agencies who I do like the more traditional copywriting for and they range from pressure welders to accountants so really the full gamut so did you start off as your background copywriting and you've kind of found this path to becoming a UX writer because usually you know all of us who kind of end up in UX writing it it, it, it's never like 
well, at least I haven't yet met anyone who's like, oh yeah, I took a course and I just became a UX writer. Like that was my path. It's usually like a, a it winding. Is. That's one of my favorite things is to listen to how other um, UX writers got into it because back when we all started, which, you know, wasn't even that long ago, it wasn't even a thing. Yeah. Like my first, my first UX writing job was at booking.com almost a decade ago. And we weren't called UX writers. We were called, I can't even remember the exact title, but I think it was something like e-commerce copywriters or something similar like that. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was a very winding path to there for me. So I started, I, the short story, short yeah. story, <laughs> is that I moved to the Netherlands for a while, um, which was amazing. And their um, booking.com headquarters at the time, and I think still is in Amsterdam. Um, and I got a job in their content department and I had a background in English literature and I'd always written and... Um, and that was amazing, but I sort of got to know the, who were the UX writers then. And um, I was just intrigued by what they were doing because I'd never seen anything like it. Um, and it was, I think within a year, I had um, been promoted into that role. And then it was just um, like this amazing snowball experience. Like it just kept, you know, evolving and getting bigger and we all learned so much. And that's really where I honed my skills and learn a lot from my colleagues and not just from my UX writer colleagues, but, you know, from the developers and designers and product managers and um, leadership teams. There was just, you know, I really felt like I was working with the best of the best there. And um, yeah, I think that was, I'm very lucky to have had that experience so early on in my career. And, and I'm just interested, like, because for me personally, I think you've just touched on something. I haven't really kind of thought about it before, but as I, as I hear you say it, I think, um, you know, I just remember the first time I got into it and, and it was that, it was that collaboration with all of those different departments where all of a sudden, you know, I went from, you know, working, as a copywriter where I'd kind of only really be in one sort of department to all of a sudden Mm. having to integrate with the rest of the business, which is the thing that really floats my boat. Yeah. (laughs) Like, is that something that, that really appealed to you? I was just listening to you say, and I'm like, wow, yes, that is it. (laughs) Yeah. You can probably hear me like getting more and more excited. excited, Yeah. I thought back to that um, time in my life, but definitely, I mean, I'm an extrovert anyway, and I, I love being around people and working with people. And that doesn't always go together with, you know, writer or writing. I know. Um, I'm in the same boat. I was thinking about it today too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yay. We're, you can a, sit with me. <laughs> yay. Definitely the introvert here. <laughs> so with feedback, what would you think constitutes constructive versus destructive? Because I know like 
I like getting feedback, but I wonder if that's just because as part of my job and my business, I need it to move forward as like a sort of professional development. Um, and I get annoyed if I'm not given that opportunity (laughs) to improve, I guess. Yeah. hundreds. I think that that like is the key is like the moving forward part. So I love feedback when it really improve or when it can be incorporated to improve the copy. And that tends to be when it's really specific. So, you know, move that here or change that word or cut that sentence, something like that. Um, But unfortunately, that's sort of like the unicorn of feedback. But most feedback (laughs) isn't like that um, because we're human. And I think people find it hard to give feedback. And often that means that it can come across in the wrong way or not as clear. Um, But generally, I find that constructive feedback has a rationale that can be tied to a user or a business goal rather than just a subjective wishy-washy that doesn't sound right or my third cousin twice removed didn't like it oh that's the worst oh that that is is the worst (laughs) when someone's happy with something and you think yes we've nailed it and then they come back a week later and they're like oh i showed it to so and so and they pointed out this this and this and you're just like bangs head on desk do you think that's a little bit of a um like a a sort of department thing as well like I I kind of find once you're in UX and you know and you really understand the value of feedback like between the team but also you know user testing and all that sort of thing it becomes it almost becomes second nature whereas sometimes things have to be run by say other people in other departments and they just may not necessarily be used to being able to filter feedback either. And so, you know, that whole like my cousin twice removed thing, like I've experienced that before, but it's been because the feedback has come from somebody who say isn't from the target market. Mm. But because the feedback wasn't positive, all of a sudden it's a concern. Yeah. And I, I also find in that kind of situation, you've sort of got, two-ish options or maybe you guys um, have a third you can throw in there but one is to defend your work Mm -hmm. and explain all the justification and the rationale and the process and the story behind it Um, and the other option is to try and incorporate it somehow and I think you know sometimes you do need to go down the path of less resistance and if it's you know something you can easily incorporate then maybe just to have everyone on board it's worth doing that and other times you really need to stick to your guns because you have gone down every single road and you you know you really have a thoroughly backed solution and i think then it like it goes to that tying it to a goal yeah what you know what are you trying to achieve with this and does their feedback actually help that or take away from that? Yeah. And, and do you find a difference between like agency and say like when you're working in-house somewhere or generally? Oh, I guess hundreds, 100%. I mean, working in an agency, often before it goes to a client, you know, it'll, it'll go through some other kind of approval or check. Um, and that can be really frustrating because you just feel like, oh, if it would just get to the client, they would <laughs> love it. Yes, yes. <laughs> and it feels, 
it feels untested. It's sort of like, well, I don't know. Yeah. That's a, that's a tricky one. Um, And I guess you're also like that one more step removed from the client that Mm. you can't test it because like, like you said, it goes through one or two more sets of hands or something. You don't know what's been changed before it's been given to the client anyway. Mm. You don't even know for your own records either. Yeah, it's true. And I all, I always think of this, um, I kind of remember where I heard it. And so I'm sorry that I can't give credit to whoever came up with it. Um, but that something is going to be, if, if whoever is selling it, you know, whoever is doing the job believes in the job, even if their idea is 50% less good than your idea, if they believe in it, it's going to be more effective. I think it's a, like a management um, concept. So if you've got a 100% idea, but the person who is selling it to the client, say, doesn't believe in it at all, it's probably the client isn't going to take it on. Mm. Whereas if you've got something that's maybe even 50% less good, well, let's hope it's not that much less. Let's say 80, you know, it's 80% of your original idea, but the person selling it to the client does really believe in it, then you're more likely probably to get a better result. Yeah. I don't know. It's a little aside. No, I'm thinking of Mad Men and how like, (laughs) you know, just to put it in terms um, of, pop culture pop culture yeah um like when don's presenting the stuff like he's usually come up with the initial like big idea but if it was someone else and he didn't believe in it he would just change it are you thinking of the episode with the snowball i think so yeah (laughs) (laughs) and he leaves like the the cards the other copywriter comes with in the back of the cab yes i'm going with my idea (laughs) loosely ties into what we were talking about no that was in the back of my mind as I was talking oh good (laughs) I'm finding the more self-development that I'm doing the more that I'm realizing how this really powerful personal side of me which is the thing I live with every day fits into the professional self so I'm, I'm learning like you know on the topic of this episode of getting feedback I think that subconsciously I've been receiving feedback and giving feedback the way that, and I have the way that I personally like to Mm. give it and receive it. And only recently, and I know we've talked about um, Amy from craft coaching before and stuff, (laughs) but only recently since I've started doing that work, am I really like, Oh wow, I've got to get better at this because there's a way that I like to receive feedback. And I, you know, I think you, Laura, at some point, when we were talking, mentioned the 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 sandwich thing. What's the sandwich? In my thing? notes, um, the shit sandwich. <laughs> that's how I like to receive feedback. That's the official. Too. That's the official term. <laughs> is that the official name for it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, is it? I think so. I've heard it referenced like quite a few times. So it's basically a compliment, um, and then the constructive feedback, oh, yeah. and then another compliment. <laughs> so. <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, I'm killing it. Oh yeah, I guess I could take this on board. Oh no, but they still like me. It's okay. <laughs> and that is really, and that is it. That's that's definitely an Enneagram two thing. I think <laughs> that's because, a Laura thing for sure. Well, it's a Branker thing too. I I am, I can receive. Give me any feedback you want, as long as I know that we're still good. Yes. I think yeah. that I think I've always my whole life been like that now that I sort of retrospectively look at things and that I assess things better. I, like 
that's fine. I, I've, you know, I never have issues changing things or, I mean, unless I really believe in it, which case I will defend it with justifications, but that's fine. Like you said before too, Sue, like sometimes you, you know, sometimes you've got to incorporate things and pick your battles and, but as long as I know that on a personal, like (laughs) on a relationship level, not necessarily a personal level, a relationship level, we're good. hundred percent. And I think, I think that that comes back to just always making the feedback impersonal and about the work and not about the person. Yes, I think absolutely that is definitely something everyone should always be working on. And part of that is like the other word that really stuck out there was relationships and feedback is so much easier to give and take when you've got a relationship established with mm. someone. And I think that that is often why UX writers are quite good at doing both those things because we do tend to be the ones that have established relationships with almost everyone in the business (laughs) (laughs) because you have to, (laughs) to do your job well. Absolutely. So yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and who, who, well, I mean, I don't know, maybe there are people out there that don't want it to be, you know, sugarcoated too much, but I don't think anyone's ever going to take a compliment, you know, the wrong way. One of my main things is to not give feedback in email, but try to do it, you know, as close to face-to-face as you can. You don't like it in email? How does that go working remotely? Oh, look, you know, that's not to say that I don't, um, you know, that I don't process it or um, incorporate if it's helpful. I think I just get that little feeling when Mm. I see, you know, an email popping in if it's, you know, negative feedback. Um, And I just think... I think that the reason that I don't have that so much is that I tend to work in Google Docs and they're Mm. just your saving grace because anything that's popped into there is, you know, highlighting specific words or pieces of text. And it just, it's that, again, that, you know, making it impersonal, not, you know, it's not about me. It's about the work that's on the page. And it's in context as well. You literally see exactly what they're talking about. Yeah, rather than a bullet point, you know, like you could have, you know, five comments in a, um, in a Google Doc and just sort of work your way through them, tap, tap, tap. But if you had like five bullet points in an email, it could be a bit like, oh, God, you know. Yeah, you immediately think, oh, my God, the whole piece of work is crap. But then when you actually go into the Google Doc, you're like, oh, it was only that one little thing. That's easy. That one word or, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think. I was just going to add, I think it's a really um, a good point also in terms of, I mean, that kind of mostly can be from a a client, like if you're freelancing or like, you know, your internal stakeholders or whatever. But I think that's a really, also a really important thing to think about in terms of customer feedback too, like when it's negative, when it's not good, Mm. because sometimes it is so hard when you've, I mean, I, I, I'm just channeling you know recently we we had a bit of feedback like for the cafe and like you've you you pour your life and soul into something Mm. and every waking hour of the day um and then you know like we we adjusted um our working hours on a monday you know and someone was like well you need to be having like you need to be open for longer not shorter because 
that's why I go down the street and I don't come to you. Now Mm. I've had years and years and I'm like, I can let it roll off my back, but my husband's quite new to, he's, he's, he's new to social media feedback that way. He's not new to customer feedback. He's been in you know, customer facing roles his whole life, but you know, it, it, it's seeing what that person is actually saying, especially online. People <laughs> tend to let loose a little bit more, but it's like, what's mm. actually behind that? Mm. And how, how can I take the, the good stuff from that and incorporate rather than like, yeah, I guess yeah. going back to taking it personally. Yeah. But also like tying that to a, to a goal, do you know, like, is that just one person's opinion yeah, or is that something that is actually going to be profitable to your business. So people listening at home and they want to know how to start giving and receiving better feedback. What kinds of processes can we implement to make this as seamless as possible um, from your point of view, Sue? Yeah, well, I think it's, it's not just um, about processes, but also about mindset. Um, and so if someone's being a pain, um, just sort of like physically smiling, <laughs> as you're receiving the feedback can actually really help diffuse a situation or, you know, responding, you know, in a professional or even kind um, way. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can chip away to maybe, you know, what the underlying cause is or, um, you know, it can, it can minimize sort of the, the um, feedback as well. Um, But if we're talking about processes, I think just, testing um, is the easiest route to resolving any disagreement. So if, you know, you've got two quite big um, sort of options or two very different options, so don't waste time arguing about it, but just chuck Mm -hmm. it into an A-B test and then learn from the results, you know, and move forward from there. And I think really, and this is more rather than people that own like a sort of a freelancing or a small business, but, you know, big businesses, I just think, you know, they couldn't invest enough in testing capabilities. And I think, um, you know, different countries are at different levels with that, but I think we'll see more and more capabilities, you know, over the next few years, because it really, it's, it's the only way to really resolve, you know, which one is in quotation marks, right. Yeah. Well, you can't argue with data. And I think too many decisions are based, like, especially at executive level are based on opinions Mm -hmm. um, rather than the actual results. Yeah. I mean, if you're just trying to convince each other that you're right, Mm. you know, sort of like, where is that going? And and what do you, you know, eventually you're going to pick one, but you haven't, you haven't necessarily learned from that. No. And quite often it comes down to rank which is ridiculous. Mm. You know, it'll come down to the rank of the person who is, which is crazy because where, where Laura and I used to work, there was, there was quite a good testing culture. That's yeah. Awesome. I would say one of the best that I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, there was, there was a good gatekeeper to, to the testing. I think that's what was, um, what was really good about it. That's not to say that there still wasn't people who pushed opinion. Oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because they did, but, but there was, there was such a good testing culture that in the end, you know, things did go down to the testing, but I have unfortunately found that that's not very common. A testing no. culture is not very common. I know, even, but in, it, even in bigger businesses, which, which is crazy. 
crazy. It can be, it can be shocking, especially when you've seen how well it works. You yes. Know? Yes. That's, that's right. Yep. And you're just like, oh guys. <laughs> but I mean, that's a great, that's a great chance for, you know, if you, if you are, are you any UX writers listening, you know, to keep advocating for it, be the hero, push for it. Because mm. you can't yeah. go wrong. Like you'll always, that's always a good idea. <laughs> like Testing yeah. what's going out. Yeah, it's just when it like isn't significantly, you know, statistically significant that you're like, oh, actually, right. So yeah. we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Explaining that because I was having a I was having a conversation with someone recently on LinkedIn of all places around how like I think he was saying that 90, 92 or 98% of the tests that they run just don't yield like a statistical significance so it's kind of like oh well we just gotta like but that's the whole thing you just you gotta keep testing know. that's yeah. right exactly mm. and so to them it's totally normal but again you know that they're, they're seeing their own challenges with trying to explain to other teams and other departments and other you know stakeholders how like that that's how that works and if it wasn't significant then that means we haven't done a good enough job so let's mm. do a good enough job to get it like you know obviously we were testing something that was way too close so mm. yeah oh that's a really great point i'm interested to hear from both of you just like how that sort of works in terms of working remotely because i'm currently in-house so i just kind of you know for me it tends to be a bit easier to sort of give that feedback and have that but like you know how does it work for you guys you can go first Sue okay (laughs) um well I think that's funny that you say that Branka because um I would have thought maybe in a way it would be easier for us because I mean it I don't know because I feel like I'm getting paid to get feedbacks and then it sort of softens the. Yeah, <laughs> good point. I have not thought of that, but good point. Yes. Um, so it feels like, I don't know, the work that I do is sort of tied very much to a financial gain. So it's kind of like, well, you're paying for it. So you can have, you know, you can have what you want. And if it's yeah. going to, I would rather people gave me feedback, like to um, Laura's point before, give me feedback and then I can improve it Yeah, and they get something they're happy with, then them take it and not be a hundred percent happy and, you know, not come back to me or, you know, yeah. Or just, yeah, not have the chance to make something as good as it can be for the client. And I think just um, for me, it's just all about building relationships, you know? So I, Mm. you know, I want to meet face to face with people whenever I can have a coffee, have a chat, ask about their kids, like get to know the person behind the role and then I find that feedback just flows so much better and you build a trust you know and to at a point people will be like oh okay Susan knows what she's talking about so even though this might not have been what I would have gone for I trust that she's put the thought and the time and the rigor into it yes yeah but I find like oh like the logistics of giving and receiving feedback remotely is harder as in like setting time frames. So like, mm. if you're working towards a deadline, how do you kind of hurry them along to go through mm. whatever work you've given um, and come back to you in a timely manner so you can move on? Because, you know, we're all work to deadlines and we all have different projects coming up. Mm. 
Um, Well, I think, yeah, it's hard. I mean, obviously, you know, you make it clear at every stage along the journey, you know, from initial consultation um, on your website and your T's and C's, like when, you know, you need the feedback by, to be honest, I haven't had too much trouble with it, but I tend to also be pretty flexible to any. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Any clients listening to this are like, yeah, you're not a taskmaster about this. (laughs) Even some clients have like, um, you know, sort of because the, you know, usually you get 50% up front and then 50% at the end of the job. And, um, you know, they, we might not have gotten all the revisions around or whatever and they'll still pay me and they'll be like, oh, you know, but we might send something through next week. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, that's fine. And generally, <laughs> generally I know it's going to be small. Do you know what I mean? So I don't yeah. think it's worth jeopardizing the relationship oh, over absolutely. a couple of words or, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's like if that 72 hours or whatever you're working towards has passed, you're not going to never talk to them again just because they missed, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. I think I think the bigger the project, the more the harder it gets. Yeah. Because say if you've got like a 20 page website or something that you've worked yeah. on, that's gonna take a hell of a lot longer to go through on both sides. Um one thing I've started doing that I think helps a bit, especially with my long term client at the moment is say if I'm at the moment, I'm analyzing, um, you know, data from customer comms and then updating the customer comms accordingly to try and like reduce these numbers kind of thing. And, um, I was like, oh, am I doing this right? Because I'm, I'm not that analytical, like that's not my major strength. So I was really worried about how that would be perceived from their end. Um, and one thing that's helped is like, doing a snippet of the work and then sending it through going, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. Mm. What do you reckon? Am I okay to continue on? And then you've also got it in writing that they are happy with it. Mm. It just saves time. I hate like doubling back for no reason. It's like one of my hated things. (laughs) That is a great tip actually. And that's something that I always do sort of organically often because I'm quite excited often, you know, if you just (laughs) do one web page, you're like, Hey guys, look at this. It's amazing. (laughs) maybe that's how you should frame it too like don't go in there going or maybe that's because I'm an achiever I don't know but don't go in there going oh I did this thing is it okay what do you think show it to your mom let me know get back like that's so how I would do it (laughs) (laughs) because I do find I worked as um, a waitress when I um, was putting myself through university and um you know, we sort of got taught how to present food and wines and it was always, you know, here is, you know, the wonderful bottle that you've ordered and such an excellent decision and it'll go so well with the fish, you know, even if it was a Cabernet Sauvignon, like <laughs> it didn't matter. So, so I didn't have like, that negative. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just, you know, make it sound great and people, people do buy, you know, I mean, obviously it also has to be great, but um, <laughs> people do get excited if you're excited, so... I think that's a way to minimise. Yeah, absolutely. And if you, you know, it all, I guess at the end of the day, comes back to your work etiquette and the way that you are and, and you know, if you're put, you've put your professional self into it, like you're not going to deliver something that's not good. So you're obviously going to defend that, which makes sense. And also justifying each word choice or phrase or like even structure or strategy in the um, Google Doc as well, mm. I found really helpful. 
fun bit. <laughs> it's your time for the limelight. <laughs> it is. No, we do. We do quite enjoy this bit. It kind of lets us like go on a tangent and learn more about each other and build those relationships. <laughs> oh, nice, nicely nice. done. Yeah, nice. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Speaking of which, Sue, what have you been like reading or watching or listening to past week or so? I mean, you've yeah. been in ER, but out, when you've been out of ER. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I've, um, I've actually just finished Tina Fey's Bossy Pants. I really want to read that. Yeah, it was actually pretty, it took me a little while because it's sort of um, a series of like short essays. I guess it does kind of follow chronologically, but it's not sort of like the story of her life, but it's funny as you would expect. Um, Mm. And I might just have enjoyed it because you sort of like had Tina Fey in my head as I was reading it and I love her. So yeah, it was good. And I've been listening to when I, um, pushing my girls in the double pram. I've been listening to the startup <laughs> podcast, which is, is amazing. So this is the second time I've heard about this in a week. Okay. So All signs really good? point to startup. I am hooked. And I think for anyone starting their own business, but also just anyone would love it. It's um, by the guy who started up a company called Gimlet Media, which they sold last year or this year for hundreds of millions of dollars Mm. but it starts like he literally started releasing these podcasts before they were anyone like he's like crowdsourcing in the first few episodes so it's just so interesting to follow that journey Um, and you get to hear the most amazing um, conversations that you would never otherwise have access to so yeah that's all I'll say about that so what Mm. uh, sorry I'm just trying to understand is it is it like he he talks about his journey or he interviews people or so he's in the journey so it started there's heaps of episodes so if you're someone who gets anxious about starting you know like I'm not sure if it's a hundred but like a lot of big commitment for time I guess you need to go back and start at the beginning and he literally made like a podcast and would release it in real time Oh, That's wow. Cool. As so, he was building his startup. Is yeah. That- as he was building his startup. So for oh. all he knew, it could have been a horrible failure. So you get all of his, it sounds terrible. You get all of his almost anxiety going oh through it goodness. and That's you get to sort awesome. of, yeah, it's really good. So it's, it's been really out good. for ages, but only because of the success of Gimlet Media is, is that why it's got traction? I guess so. Yeah. I guess, so. although I think they had traction like, because they managed to crowdsource heaps of money mm. from the company as well. So I think it did have traction as well. But, yeah, I'm just starting to hear about it everywhere. So I'm by no yeah. the, um, you know, the first one to hear about it. But, yeah, it's really, really good. Yeah. And the only other quick thing that I wanted to say is that if anyone um, wanted to know more about UX writing um, at booking.com specifically, they released a really good podcast by two of the UX writers. Oh, um, cool. Very recently, like maybe in the last month or so. So that give you an up-to-date sort of insight into what they're doing there. They are really like the pioneers because they pop up everywhere. Like in the Slack channel that I'm in, there's heaps of booking.com. Like it's always referenced. Mm, It is. It's it's amazing. It's worth, it's definitely worth a listen. So you'd be pretty proud of me. I finished two books last week. That's amazing. I I read one in one day. Like, I'm not kidding. It was an easy read, but all day Sunday, 
Yeah, it was. Um, I finished a book and I was like, who am I? Um, it's called Hey Ladies and it's just like, it's fiction, but it's based on um, a whole bunch of tweets and emails that these two writers like kind of witnessed and um, they made it into a book and it's just eight women communicating to each other over like a wedding planning thing and they're all bridesmaids and it's just like such a reminder of like how (laughs) noisy people's lives are and we have to really like cut through the crap to actually get our message across um but it was just a bit of fun like it was just like an easy read and some of the stuff made you really like question oh my god gen y like what is doing (laughs) Um, some of the things they were like worried about i was like was this me is this me um (laughs) so is it true is it like a true true story is not the right word but was it actual things that happened or was it just somebody sat down and wrote? No, I think they're poking fun at uh, the zeitgeist that is oh. young women, I guess. Right. Okay. Okay. But, okay, okay. but the end message is like they love women and they love the relationships of women, um, friendships and stuff. So we are quite different men and oh, yes. women in, in lots of ways. Oh, definitely. And then motherhood is the next level again. Yes. Because things get personal. Yes. So fast. Yes. Like I'll get asked about breastfeeding on a bus or, you know, about a cesarean, you know, at a restaurant, like whatever. And with twins, you would get it. Yeah, you literally twice as much. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. It is like we are celebrities. Do you walk down (laughs) the street every day and they're like, oh, got your hands full? Yes. Every Uh, day. Double trouble. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i get that i get that when i've got my one kid and the dog what? <laughs> and it's same, like samesies. i was like the dog's easy <laughs> the achiever in me loves it i'm yeah. like hey guys i knew i was born for fame this is it <laughs> i achieved two in one go <laughs> i got my takeaway coffee my double pram no one can stop me i'm disappointed when i meet a triplet mother i'm like damn it <laughs> <laughs> how dare she <laughs> Steal my thunder. (laughs) Oh, wow. I I just think twins are amazing. Like, hats off to you. Yeah, I do too. Thank you. No, they're cute. It's a dream come true. I actually always thought I was going to have twins. Really? Yes. And I told my husband, and he's a very scientific guy, and he was Mm. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there were the two heartbeats, and he almost (gasps) fell over. And was it completely (laughs) random? Completely random. Yeah, oh. not, no twins in either family. So, wow. Yeah, completely random. Oh, but they're yeah. identical, so that is, um, oh. yeah, random. Do, the, do you dress them the same? I don't. I oh. thought I might, but I don't. I, you know, they get dirty and then you just change them and yeah, yeah. they're in different clothes, so it's a lot of effort. I think they look cute when they are, but no, I don't really. I sometimes dress to match my kid, just putting it out there. <gasps> That is so cute. Not I like full that. matching, but just but like, like a little matching stripe or just a, a nod. Yeah. A nod. Oh, I love it. <laughs> wow. And people are like, oh, wow, you're matching. And I was like, yeah, how did that happen? <laughs> a sideways look. <laughs> <laughs> Had not noticed. <laughs> you mean I didn't lay out this outfit the night before? <laughs> um, Franca, what have you been? into oh yes um what have I been into look I I have started reading I don't know if I mentioned last time 
that I got um, an emotional intelligence book from the library. Oh, yes, you did. So I started reading that. It's called The Little Book of Emotional Intelligence, I think. Mm. It, um, it's really good, but it's written by this British guy and it's filled with British humour and also lots and lots and lots and lots of sarcasm. And a little bit like I just, I don't know, maybe because a lot of those kinds of books are quite, you know, they're just written in quite a positive light and they're trying to, you know, make you think positive and stuff. Like this one's really, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying it because it's, it, there's a lot of like telling it as it is and stuff. And even like, even just on that positive thinking thing, like there's this part where he talks about, you know, it, it, a lot of people say it's, you should change your thought to think positively so try to pull out like the best of every situation but actually sometimes there's like going to be a person and they're going to be pissing you off and like you can't change like you need to change dealing with that person altogether not constantly trying to be like oh maybe I should take the positive side of this like it's just just little things like that that um that I'm finding really interesting so I'll keep you posted on how that book goes because um yeah it's quite eye-opening <laughs> oh it sounds like a good one well he's he so he like has a phd in philosophy but then went down this path of like exploring intelligence and mm. yeah it's a really good combination and there's lots of like yeah british humor and like little cartoons and stuff so i also um saw this great little resource um like for people who are not copywriters, can't afford a copywriter on the team, but like understand the value of comms, but have kind of like landed with having to do that job. Um, there's a guy called Jacob McMillan and I, I've never met him. I've just been following him and watching him online for the past two years in a non-creepy way. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> Anyway, in a non-creepy way, but he's, he's, he's quite a good writer and he's put together like this website copywriting kind of like manual guide thing, which is really awesome. So I'll put a link in the show notes to that. Yeah. I, I kind of went through it. I scanned through it and I was like, oh, this is, if you are tasked, tasked with that um, project and you can't hire somebody who does that for a living to do it it's it's a really useful um resource so yeah that's that's the only other thing i got very good cool um before we finish up i was just going to ask first of all where can people find you sue um yep people can find me at susanreockcopywriter.com um so and reock is spelled r-e-o-c-h um, I'm also on Instagram and LinkedIn. My name is pretty unique, so you should be able to find me there. <laughs> and um, I have just launched my half-day copy blitz. So um, it's for people that uh, either need things turned around really fast and can't afford to wait or um, have had to stab themselves at a website or any other kind of copy um, or have been thrown in the deep end and need to get on top of UX writing quick. It's just three hours with me, a half day, um, and we can work on whatever you want to work on. So that's just launched. So that's exciting. Oh, I like it. Wow, that's awesome. Mm, yeah, because, um, you know, not everyone wants and or needs the, you know, the, the 
all singing, all dancing packages. Sometimes people just need a professional look on their copy and you can get a lot done in a half day. I've done yeah. a couple and you can really, when they've got something already there and they work with you, you can really power through. So it works well. And especially um, I was having this conversation yesterday with Amy from Craft Coaching, like hire mums for this kind of stuff because they can get so much done in three hours. Like you would not even believe. Yes, exactly. We're so like, we're working at such a high frequency, aren't we? We're almost humming. (laughs) Yeah. Just jump straight in. Like you've already thought about everything you need to do. So the actual working bit is, yeah, you power through it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm fine. I'm glad I'm finally, uh, yeah. We've got the sales page and ready to go. Exciting. Oh, well, mm. everyone, you need to go check that out. <laughs> we'll link um, to it in the show notes. We will. We will. <laughs> Thanks, thank guys. you so much for popping by. I love this chat. Yeah, oh, it's been too. amazing, guys. Thank you for the opportunity. Of course. I've loved it. It's Should nice we? to have other people doing what we do and just like riffing on this kind of stuff. Working I remotely, I don't get to talk about it nearly as much as I would like. <laughs> That was so much fun to record. We love Sue. She's like our new favorite person. Uh, Definitely go find her online and hang out with her. Can recommend. Um, If you want to get in touch with Branka and I, the best way to do it is either Instagram, which is at a table at the back podcast, or shoot us an email at a table at the back at gmail.com. All right. Thanks for being here, everyone. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. See you.